So welcome to the Hip Hop Multiverse Podcast, the show where we explore the different subgenres, collectives, artists, moments, and movements of the past and present hip hop to shed light on these different worlds and all the dope gems in them. I'm your host, Darwin, and today's episode is about the origins of the fusion genre I am calling RR&B, or in other words, rap, rhythm, and blues. Essentially, we are looking at the collaborations of rap and R&B artists in the 80s before it was a popular thing. Now, for this series, we aren't talking about rappers that can carry a tune or R&B singers that decide to drop a rap verse on occasion. No, we mean the music where a true rapper is collaborating with a true R&B singer. Rap and R&B were very separate genres in the 80s, but these are the pioneers that helped bridge the gap and pave the way for all the classic songs we got in future decades. So this first installment, we're focusing on the 80s and we're calling it Rap Rhythm and Blues Origins or or it's going to be RR&B Part 1. We're going to have several parts afterwards for the different decades. And in order to help me on this journey, uh, we brought in my most reoccurring guest joining me today, Whitney Little Grits Pursue. So Whitney, how are you doing in life? I'm doing good. How you doing? Well, I'm doing doing well, doing well. So Whitney, we uh, we went to the Carnegie Carnegie Science Center today. How, did, how was that? I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I thought it was very educational and informational. It had a lot of good information on it. Okay. So, and then afterwards, we hit up, uh, got some uh, burgatory uh, burgers and uh, milkshakes. How'd you feel about that? Oh, I loved it. If you, you know, love some burgers or, you know, you are a meat eater or vegan, plant based, like they got something for everybody. They even had vegan milkshakes, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So, yep. Shout out, shout out to the North Shore. Shout out to all my yins out there. <laughs> wanted to, wanted, I'm, I'm slowly trying to turn into a Pittsburgher out here. But, but anyway, so let's let's get into it. So, how do you feel generally about '80s R&B? Oh, I love some '80s R&B. Um, like you gonna have to throw out some uh some people. Like I know you know Bobby Brown is one of them. I love some Bobby Brown. Like I can, I can. Listen to some Bobby Brown a lot. I love, you know, I love some Whitney Houston. I love, I love a lot of people in, in that era. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean other people. You have, you have, you know, Shaka Khan, Janet Jackson, and uh, oh, yeah, Janet is a big one. Lavert, of the new edition and stuff like that. So I mean, there's we got we got plenty of eighties R and B to talk talk about. We get too much to get into <laughs> them all. So okay, but yeah, and you know, and for me, I mean, I would I would say. I can enjoy the 80s R&B about just as much as the 90s R&B, you know, and I grew up more on the 90s, obviously, but I'd say I probably like them about this, you know, about the same, you know, in today's world, we complain a lot about the modern R&B, but I want to say, you know, comparing 80s and 90s, I look at those two kind of decades as like, you know, the best R&B in my, you know, in my personal opinion. So that's the way, you know, I look at it. So how do you feel about 80s rap music, though? Mm. I don't think I got many, many uh, <laughs> eggs in this basket. <laughs> I feel like uh, LL was in that era and I'm a big LL fan, but um, as far as anybody else, like I really don't know many right. 80s rappers. Okay. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, for me, you know, I, there's a lot, I have a lot of appreciation and love for that 80s era that ultimately you know i prefer the 90s and 2000s more just because i felt like uh some of the techniques were just still primitive in the 80s and then i feel like a lot of the things that were invented in the 80s we got mastered in the 90s and stuff and you know that's the way i've always felt about it but i still have my favorites you know i'm i'm 
you know, I love I love my Cool G rap. I love Ice T. You know, Slick Rick, Rakim, Big Daddy Kane. You know, definitely, I got some favorites in the '80s as well. So the songs we're going to be looking at today, where we're going to see, you know, rap music combined with R and B music in the eighties when this was not a popular thing. And some of the songs we're going to be looking into, and we'll talk about them more, but I'm just going to quickly list them. It's going to be, I feel for you, Lucy's rap, don't rock the boat, just coolin' friends. If I'm not your lover back on the block and all right. So for the description part, you know, when we talk about what I'm calling R R and B, cause there's really, there's really no great fusion as much as these two genres collaborate no one really calls it anything as a fusion genre, which is kind of weird to me. I mean, there's people that you that just call it urban, you know, and have urban radio, I guess, and maybe a few other terms like that. But generally, um, you know, we don't really have a word for it. So I'm calling it RR&B. But anyways, so the description of these songs is, you know, songs that really combine both worlds. What we mean by that is not just putting a singing hook on a rap song, but songs that have really both singing and rapping verses. And we're also just looking for the the production can be more R&B or more hip hop, but it's got to kind of represent um, both genres in, in some fashion. And the first question, you know, I have for you is what do you think are kind of the adva- advantages of, I guess, combining these two genres? Um, well, I feel like it definitely is an advantage for the rap artists because I felt like Everybody wasn't listening to, listening to rap. Everybody wasn't, you know, buying into rap. So I feel like it was kind of widening their audience, whereas they trying to, you know, get in on the fans who are more into R&B. And then, you know, they're like, oh, you know, you want a Janet Jackson song or a Shaka Khan? You know, you might be all right, you know? And just, it's not a full rapping song, just like a little snippet. So it's a way to ease them in, into them and gain new fans. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I to- totally agree. I mean, it's 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 crazy how much our rap legends are not popular on a <laughs> on a big scale, you know, as as we talk about it compared to like the 90s and 2000s rap legends. Like when I think about people like Big Daddy Kane and Rakim, I mean, if you're not into hip hop, a lot of people have barely heard of these guys, you know, and it's like you have to kind of be into hip hop and the origins and, and the background of it. And these are our these are our legends. So so yeah, absolutely agree with that. That doesn't I mean it was definitely a way for rappers to kind of get that cosign from the bigger R and B artists at the time. And uh, and some other things I wanted to bring up in terms of the benefits when you combine these genres is that yeah, a lot of people don't like straight rap to where it's just a lot of lyrics to follow, a lot of you know a lot of bars and stuff like that. And when you get rap in smaller snippets, it makes it just more digestible to the average person because the average person may not want to hear five minutes of rap in like a like Wu-Tang's Triumph, you mm-hmm. know, but if they just hear one sixteen in, in an R&B song or in a pop song, then they can really just tune in for just those, you know, 40, 30 seconds, you know, enjoy the rap and memorize that part as opposed to having to listen to a full rap song and trying to follow uh, all the words and stuff like that, that they might tune out after a while. So I think that's a that's a huge part of it. And then I think just from the R&B side, that rap just had an, an edge and a rebelliousness and a certain cool factor that was that was new. And for the R&B artists, it was cool to have uh, the, these this new type of music included in their songs. So I can definitely see how both were able to kind of 
help each other out and make this um, more of a normal thing and, and something that a lot of people appreciate that you were really winning in fans that were into both things that, you know, that fans that were more into rap could make, could, you know, enjoy these songs, get, they get to hear their favorite rapper on it. And then fans that were more into R and B, you know, got to hear rap in a smaller dose that was way more digestible and it made it easier for everyone. And I'll also look at this as a, they combine well because they, they united those black communities, you know, they're two black communities and essentially, essentially what I mean by that is that, if you were if you were black, you probably knew people that listened to rap, and you probably knew people that listened to R and B. It's not like two genres that were in different cultures. They're right. they're they're part of they're already part of the same culture, but they were at the same but they were in different subcultures. And this was kind of them, kind of uh, you know I guess reuniting into into one black culture. So we're gonna go into a little bit of a we we're gonna split it up and talk a little bit about R and B history and hip hop history and, and kind of where they were before these collaborations started. So with R&B, really, obviously in the 70s, you got a lot of soul music and funk music. And then once, you know, about really when 79 hit and really the 80s hit, you know, you start the production change. They started, they stopped relying on live instrumentation, start relying more on a electronic production and using the, you know, TR-808 and things of that nature. And because the new type of soul music sounded different than the old type of soul music. They decided they were going to call it diff something different. So they started calling it contemporary R and B. And really I'd say the first artist that started it, you know, was Michael Jackson's off the wall album in 1979. And this one's not celebrated as much as um, the, the thriller album or the bad album. And, and you know, and his, really big hits in the 80s this one was i guess in comparison to you know the heights michael jackson reached this one was wasn't quite as popular but it was still you know a really big album here and and and, and one thing i guess that's not really talked about was this album in 1979 i mean this is michael jackson's fifth solo album i mean he was putting out you know soul music throughout the 70s and really wasn't popping. Obviously, he had some fans in the black community, but he really wasn't popping. And when this album came out in 79, this is really when he got popping. He went from never having a gold album in those first four albums to all of a sudden this R&B album came out and it went nine, nine times platinum in 1979. Um, but, you know, by taking advantage of that modern technology. So around the same time, you know, right here in 1979, when Michael Jackson's Off the Walls released, you have hip hop first entering, you know, the charts with Rapper's Delight. And throughout the 80s, your first platinum rap album, you got 1986's Run DMC's Raisin' Hell. The R&B music in 1979 already had a nine times platinum album. R&B had quite the lead here. However, collaborations were happening. And as hip hop began to be viewed as a more legitimate art form, we start seeing a few collabs between R&B artists and rappers. And, you know, some people that were willing to break down some of those initial barriers between the two genres. So first song we're going to review, which from from what I've estimated and maybe so, there there might be some underground random songs that also could could have been included. But I tried to pick songs that were relatively popular from popular artists. And the first song that we're going to talk about is I Feel For You with um, Shaka Khan um, featuring Melly Mel which Melly Mel is known mainly from uh, Grandmaster Flashes and the Furious Five. He's the main MC in it. 
So, yeah, so we have I Feel For You came out 1984, October 1st. Shaka Khan, Melly Mel, produced by Arif Martin. Um, it's kind of described as a synth funk song, and it's both R&B and hip hop. So we're going to go ahead and um, take, a, take a listen to I Feel For You, and then we'll get your thoughts on it, okay? Okay. All right, so we're back, and uh, so we listened to I Feel For You with Shaka Khan featuring Melly Mel. So, Whitney, overall, I mean, how'd you feel about this song? Um, I felt pretty good about well, I felt I felt okay about it. Like I would listen to it again. It had a good feel to it. Um, make you wanna, you know, sit there, tap your tap your foot. Um definitely I wouldn't I probably would score it maybe a five or five or six. Okay. So it's average. You can listen yeah. to it, but you won't really go back to it on your own will. Right. Okay, I mean how'd you feel about I guess the R and B portion of you know, Shaka Shaka Khan's portion of the song? Mm, I mean Shaka can almost do no wrong, so <laughs> her part was fine, though. I mean, I, th- I thought she did a good job. It was very, very simple song, though. Like it's just, like I said, it was it was average. It wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. Okay, what'd you feel about uh, Melly Mel's uh, contribution? Well, I thought I almost missed it. Like it was, <laughs> didn't realize that was like the actual <laughs> rapping part. <laughs> it almost gave me the feel of like a chorus or something, but. <laughs> So I guess it definitely wasn't memorable. Yeah. Yeah, his part was more like a bridge. It didn't feel yeah. like a real rap. <laughs> Him just going, Shaka Khan, I'm going to do this, Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan, this is Shaka Khan. I'm going to love you, Shaka Khan. And, and it just cracked me up how much he kept saying her name. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, and, and once again, I kind of feel like this is a situation where it's never been done before, this mixture of R&B and rap. So, I mean, you can't expect... The first, the first uh, example of this that they're going to give Melly Mel a huge role, uh, or in, you know, in a full verse. So I think they just, you know, said, "Oh, you can, you can play this one little part <laughs> in the song. You put his little, uh, you know, little little spice on it." But yeah, but overall, he didn't, you know, he didn't have a huge impact on the song. Right. But but yeah, but I feel the same way. You know, it's kind of a song I can listen to, but it's not something I look back and say. Um, you know, I'm going back to it, but at the same time, I kind of get it. This is, I mean, this is 1984. So, you know, for anyone that understands like hip hop has not really arrived yet. And even the fact that we got a song uh, like this in 1984 featuring a rapper is kind of surprising. Right. And, and which, which is going to bring up to our next point, because the next song we're going to do here um, is Lucy's rap, which came, comes out in July 5th of 1988. So in reality, there's a, you know, even when I was looking through these popular songs or songs that, of rap and R&B mixing, we get this one from Shaka Khan in 84, and we don't really get another one from key artists until 1988. You know, so that's a pretty, pretty big gap here. But Lucy's Rap, this is uh, by uh, the super freak himself, Rick James, and it's featuring uh, the Queensbridge MC. Roxanne Shante. So obviously, yeah, Rick James known for Super Freak. Roxanne's known for Roxanne's Revenge. Um, the song is produced by Rick James. Um, it made the Black Singles chart, but not the Hot 100. And it was number one on R&B charts. Listen to that and see what you think. Okay. All right, so we're back. So how'd you feel about uh, Rick James and uh, Shante's 1988 song, Lucy's Rap? I mean, I give him an A for effort. <laughs> Just because, you know, for one is Rick James. Like, Rick James is a legend in himself. 
Shantae was like this um, very young rapper who was making a name for herself, but it's not a song I would listen to again. Um, I feel like for this to be like a origin of R&B and looking throughout the years of how women have been like portrayed in songs, I don't, I don't like the content of the song because we just struggle with that for years and years and we'll, and we'll continue to struggle with that. So that's my, my, my thought of that song. <laughs> yeah. So listening to this song, I, the first thing that comes that I think about is I feel like Shantae isn't truly being Shantae. She's playing this role of Lucy in Rick James' song, Lucy's Rap. You know, she's not really calling herself Shantae or anything. And I guess from there, it's like, I don't, I don't know if I'd even say it's an odd concept, but it's like, it's a basic concept, but I don't know if it's an appealing one of him just saying, oh, there's this girl that's real loose and her name, we call her Lucy. And then Shantae just comes in saying, yeah, I'm real loose and I seduce yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And then she has her second part about, you know, they call me a freak. How would you feel if I freak you? And it just kind of, it's just kind of like, I guess she's she's bragging about how loose she is. Yeah. And you usually, it, it I guess it didn't scream. I feel like usually if women go that route, you, you know, you can brag about, I guess how sexy you are, how seductive you are and stuff like that. But this one just kind of came off, came off like she just bragging about how, how much uh, screwing she be doing. Right. So, you know, and I guess Rick James is Mr. Super Freak. So, I mean, I guess this was his vision, but yeah, o- overall, I just, I feel like the song didn't really, wasn't, wasn't really appealing. Like I'm not, it was one of those that I like, I'm not really sure who this was made for. <laughs> and, and because it was Rick James, I think got, did get get some play like you know said it hit number one on r&b charts probably very briefly mm-hmm. but ultimately yeah i don't really um don't really get where, where they were trying to i guess their thought process when putting this song together and this kind of represents one of the the last minor hits of rick james you know career too that really after this he didn't i don't think he charted again but it's cool that we we got these two artists doing it but i feel like they didn't really I well, I think Shantae understood Rick James. I feel like I don't know if Rick James really understood what Shantae could bring to the table. And right. I feel like the role she played in this song of, of Miss Lucy just wasn't really a great concept for her to go off of. And, you know, and once again, and Shantae was still really young. This is 88. Shantae would have been 18 years old. So she she may not have been the best person to talk about how all the sex she's been having when she's still 18. <laughs> You know, <laughs> but, um, but overall, appreciate the effort. Yeah, the effort was there, but <laughs> I do feel like we didn't get the best of either either artist in this song. Right. All right, so we're gonna move on here. Still in 1988, I couldn't find what month this song came out, so I don't know if this is before or after Lucy's rap. But um, we have a song called "Don't Rock the Boat" by Midnight Star, and it features "Ecstasy" of Houdini. Um, Houdini's a rap group most popular for uh, the songs Freaks Come Out at Night and Friends. You know, how many of us have them? Um, it's produced by Midnight Star and it hit number three on the R&B chart. So this is, not once again, another song that wasn't really a, wasn't a hot uh, Billboard 100 single on those charts, but it did uh, climb up pretty high on the R&B charts. So we'll listen to Don't Rock the Boat. All right. How'd you feel about the song? I, I liked it. Um... I would definitely listen to it again. Okay. Um, I feel like he's a good storyteller. Um, like 
it's like he had a the the rapping was like an interesting story that you can like follow from the beginning to end. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciated that. But I mean, overall, I I think it was a good song. Okay, okay. So you gave this one props. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, yeah, I think ecstasy. He's he's a uh, he heard the song and I think he kind of was able to fit his rap into the concept of the song well. And that he, you know, he did have a narrative about it. And I do think conceptually the song meshed and bridged well. I think my uh, thing I don't like about the song is just he still, I wouldn't say still, but he just has an old school flow that just sounds awkward to me <laughs> in some ways. And, and you know, and that's just a personal thing because I didn't grow up loving that type of flow as much that, you know, I like, I guess I like all the post-rock him rap music that people copied rock him style more so then I don't even know how to describe, you know, the way he sounds, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) but other than that, you know, I do think that this song that it matched better than previous ones. And I think this is the first one we've listened to where I think the, the two artists kind of felt like they were on the same page and they had a a, a good vision of Mm -hmm. how to really collaborate here. I feel like initially the music is kind of awkward, but then um, the longer you listen to it, you'd be like, Oh, this is, this is okay. It's kind of (laughs) catchy. All right, so we got so it was Midnight Star and, and a Houdini here. All right, so the next jam we're going to look at is a song called Just Coolin'. Um, also from 1988, I couldn't find what month it came out. But um, this is a Levert song featuring Heavy D, and it's produced by Levert. And this was number one on the Hot Black Singles chart. And also one of the probably the first songs we're going to look into that uh, is considered a new Jack Swing song. So... Other than that, one thing I do know is that like Levert and Heavy D are not um they're not two people that were kind of randomly put together or selected to be together. Like I know they were like legit friends, you know, outside of making music together. So they decided like, hey, we're friends, you know, we're in different genres, but you know, mm-hmm. we should we should do a track together. So okay, so uh, let's listen to a uh, just cooling with Levert and Heavy D. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> why you say that <laughs> <laughs> all right all right so we're back um we listened to uh just cooling with lavert um and heavy d in 1988 so uh what are your overall thoughts on the song now it makes sense that they was friends like who would just do heavy uh lavert he yeah. probably was uh in the record his song and Heavy D was in, you know, in there with the other boys, and he was like, Heavy D, man, like my son misses some. And Heavy D was like, Man, I done had a few drinks. I don't know if I can do this. Man, just come in here and, and, and try it. He go in there on the spot, just freestyle, and that's what came out. And <laughs> <laughs> and the song came to be. <laughs> but overall, I I think I like I like the song. Um it was very, very simple chorus, um, but it's very catchy. The, like I said, the rap is very, very basic. Like, I only he probably only gave that one take. <laughs> 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 oh man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would, I would say, is I think part of it is also that I've, I don't know if I've ever heard two someone get two rap verses and them both be four bars. That he had two, <laughs> two four bar rap verses, 
and you know, I, 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 you know, I like to hear rappers get get a little little loose and get you know really be able to get into it. But with him, as soon as he started, he was over. <laughs> and uh, you know, Easy does it, and he's like, I do it easy. Then you know, so so and so, the girls squeeze me. Right, two times he just reversed what he said. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, and honestly, I haven't listened to much Heavy D in my my life. I know, you know, his, I guess his main songs and stuff like that. So I don't really know him enough to like really judge how how good of a rapper he is and stuff. But yeah, with this song, and it's it's one of those things where I don't think it was bad by any means. Uh-huh. I just think it was it worked. It was just a, a really quick and simple, and he was in there for four bars and he was out. <laughs> But but outside of it, simple song, but um, nice song to chill to. You can enjoy, and it's just what it sounds like. The song is called "Just Coolin," and it does sound like a like a chill R and B song, just kind of play in the background. Yeah, uh, you know when when you're doing something. So so yeah, so that was a "Just Coolin" with Levert. Finally, we're out of 1988, and uh, the next song we're gonna look into is called "Friends" by Jody La- Jody Watley. Um, this came out in 1989. The single came out in what April 90 of 89, and uh, the actual album came out with it in March of 89. Um, the song's featuring Eric B and Rakim, popular for a lot of things, but I guess you can look at their songs, uh, "Paid in Full" and "Juice" and "Microphone Fiend" and stuff like that. Um, this song was number nine on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. So, out of uh, all the songs we've listened to, this is going to be the first one that was like a legit U.S. Uh, Billboard, uh, you know charting it didn't hit number one but it got pretty high up there you know another new jack swing song so uh we're gonna listen to friends with uh jody watley and eric b and rock all right so we're, we're back listening uh for friends but uh one thing i i forgot to mention that i just thought about was both on i want to say maybe the first three lucy's rap and don't rock the boat it was an interesting structure because i want to say like for example, with Lucy's rap, it's like she did her first verse, which was like eight bars, maybe, maybe like six. Then she did a second verse, which was like, you know, another like four bars. And then the third verse, she just combined the first two verses and made it the third verse. Mm-hmm. And I also noticed like they, I want to say they did that for either I feel for you or don't rock the boat. And, you know, I think that, and I think that was an interesting, um, I guess, format. Mm-hmm. to it so i mean how do you feel about that kind of different format with with rapping of uh you know we're gonna have a short first verse a short first sh- short second verse and for the third verse we're actually going to combine the two verses and then say everything that we said in the the previous verses mm-hmm. i mean in some instances i feel like it's a waste you know mm-hmm. but if those two verses was really good then we can appreciate it more because we're like oh yeah i look i enjoyed that you bringing it back again you know yeah but I feel like a lot of times it can just be a waste of third verse. Mm-hmm. You know, you got this opportunity to, to, to show show us what you got. And on the third verse, you're just going to repeat something you already said. <laughs> right, because then that's what I'm saying. It makes it feel like it's a bridge or uh, like a, an extra hook a little bit, you know, because you're you're hearing the same thing again. But... But in this song, we we don't get that, right? So once yeah. again, we're back with uh, Jody Watley, um, friend, the song Friends featuring Eric B and Rakim. So how did you feel about this one? Mm, I thought it was, um, it had a catchy beat, um, very simple. Um, I felt like it had a true message. Like everybody can relate to, you know, this song about having friends or having the right type of friends, 
and the wrong type of friends. Um, I felt like the rap part was a good addition to the to the uh, singing part. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of mesh really good and related to each other really well. Um, I mean, overall, I feel like it was it was average. It, it was a good song. Mm-hmm. I'm. I mean, if it came on the radio, I wouldn't change, but I wouldn't like seek out the song to listen to it again. Right. Yeah, for, for me, like, I, I would say that um, I'm always going to enjoy Rakim verses. You know, I have a tremendous love for the way Rakim raps. I like, even and even if it was just doing two-syllable rhyming, you know, I, it stood out to me in comparison to the other songs we've listened to that's been doing one-syllable rhyming. You know, where he's like, last bag, and then he's like, backstab, and stuff like that. Like, just, you know, those little things about, you know, about a rapper showing that extra effort or doing a little bit extra, you know, or just the different, you know, internal rhyming and little things he does. I'm always going to appreciate a rock him verse because he he really, really thinks about every single word anytime he raps. Like, it, you know, he's such a perfectionist. So one thing, though, with the songs, I always I felt like the first verse blended in really good with it because the first verse was really about. Uh, friendship. Rockin was telling his side about dealing with shady friends and stuff and talking about you get fried in the end if you pretend to be a friend and mm-hmm. all this stuff. But the weird part, I guess, for me with this song was his second verse. He was talking about a relationship, mm-hmm. you know, where he's talking about some some lover and stuff like that and, and, and talking about the kisses and Rob, where are you and all that. And I kind of felt like that second verse interpreted the song differently than than I guess the rest of the song was. Yeah. So that was that was the only thing I, I didn't understand why why he went that route with it. I felt like if the song's about friends, I wouldn't I wouldn't add a relationship you know style verse to it. But overall, I mean, I I enjoy the way the song sounds. I liked um, it. Kind of it reminded me of listening to TLC's "What About Your Friends" because it was, I feel like it's such a similar concept of mm-hmm. uh, friends backstabbing you and the whole drama that can come with it. So yeah, no, not a not a song I love to death or anything, but a song I definitely enjoy because I always like hearing uh, Rock Him, and I think even without Rock Him, just as an R and B song, this is a song I can I can listen to again. All right. So so yeah, so that's I mean that's it for uh, Friends with Jody Watley. So still in 1989, we're gonna go into If I'm Not Your Lover remix. Um, this is I'll Be Sure, most popular for the song Night and Day. And uh, you got Slick Rick, obviously popular for multiple songs, but Children's Story, probably the most popular. Um, It didn't say the exact month. It just said early 1989. So we're going to listen to it. And this song was uh, number two on the R&B charts and another New Jack Swing song. So we'll listen to If I'm Not Your Lover remix, I'll Be Sure, featuring Slick Rick. All right, so we're back. We uh, just listened to uh, I'll Be Sure featuring Slick Rick with the If I'm Not Your Lover remix. So how'd you feel about the track? Mm-hmm. I like this one. Um, it had the like, true New Jack Swing sound to it that, mm-hmm. that I like. Like the, the beat was good. The song was good. Um, I like Slick Rick versus. Like, I would listen to this again. Okay. So I, I liked it. All right. Yeah. I mean, this was a says number two on the R&B charts and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, for me, like, it, I think I think this is an R&B song that, you know, I can enjoy, but I wouldn't really go back to if it wasn't for Slick Rick. Like, I, I love the way Slick Rick's personality and his character. And even though this isn't one of the, the craziest Slick Rick stories, because if you listen to enough Slick Rick, he's got some really crazy and interesting um, 
verses and, and stories and stuff like that that this is a you know more toned down version because he's just the fe featured artist but overall though i mean i i always find him super entertaining even when he's not trying you know even when he's not trying to do too much and definitely a song i i enjoy because of him and then and then from albie shore's part i think it's a song that you know had a i don't know just a legit well put together r&b song you know nothing specific about it or or you know, super different. I just think it was a, just a well executed mm -hmm. R and B track, and and I'm glad and I'm glad that Slick Rick got three verses to even though if those verses were short, he at least got three verses where he did something different with each one, and definitely got a chance to put his his stamp on the song. Right. All right. All right. So, you ready for back on the block? Mm -hmm. All right. So, um, the next track we're gonna look into here is a. Uh, Back on the Block by uh, Quincy Jones. This is a Quincy Jones basically put a basically like a compilation album out. Quincy Jones, obviously popular for producing um, the Michael Jackson albums Off the Wall, Thriller, and Bad. And this is a track that came out in November of 1989. And it features four rappers on it. So this song features Ice-T, then we got Melly Mel, Cool Modi, and Big Daddy Kane. So... Uh, Quincy Jones was uh, reaching out to these different rappers for this one track. I want to say most of this album is, you know, more straight R&B, but this is the one song he kind of uh, brought in some rappers to uh, do a track with. Uh, and we'll we'll see how it goes and see what you think of it. Okay. All right, babe. So we're back with, uh, we're back with Back on the Block. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we just listened to Back on the Block with uh, Quincy Jones. Uh, we got verses from Ice T, Melly Mel, Cool Mo D, and Big Daddy Kane. So, how'd you feel about this track? Well, it was a little, little rappy for me, um, <laughs> with, especially you know with the old school rap, and then four verses. Like it was, it was a little bit much for me, but I could appreciate it because they was making the statement. You know, we here, we rapping. I felt, I, I felt like they, they. they they made a statement and made it good, you know, so I can appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, that's how I felt about the song that I mean, it was definitely like Qu Quincy, you know, showing that extending a hand of saying, you know what, I, I believe in you guys. I believe in you rappers. I know a lot's been said rap won't be around and rap's not going to, you know, people look at it as this lesser art form. He's like, but by putting you on, you know, this album, I'm showing you that I approve of you guys. And I thought it was very interesting that. He didn't just pick rappers like Heavy D. He started it with Ice T. This is the guy, and granted, in '89, I don't know if he made his Cop Killer song yet, but by that time, he would have already put out his gangster rap music. And although Ice T wasn't as popular as N.W.A. and didn't have the same controversy, the, he was Ice T was also getting banned from radio, and you know, not someone someone that was looked at as an evil rapper. So I think to start it off with Ice-T was, was very interesting because it was showing a certain alliance of we're okay with, um you know, these uh, edgy rappers and and stuff like that. And then, you know, from there, um, Melly Mel got on. Mm -hmm. um, so, but yeah, but I guess before I speak, how'd you feel about that? Did you feel any different between the different rappers or how'd you I was, feel? I was about to ask you that. I was going to ask you which one was your favorite. Okay. But I, I like the last one. Um, yeah, I was more drawn to Kumodi. Kumodi. Yeah, Kumodi actually had the last verse. Oh, okay. Yeah, I liked it. I liked his last one. Yeah, I'm I'm the opposite. I think I liked everyone but Kumodi. 
and and well because interesting to me like i always always appreciate ice t i mean i'm always a fan of him uh big daddy kane i think he's i do think he's a great lyricist my only issue with big daddy kane is usually rap about how he's such a ladies man too much but i appreciate you know what he did on this song and stuff and then with melly mel actually was the surprise to me in this song because i kind of know what i'm gonna get it get out of kumo d but Melly Mel, I guess the surprise was he didn't sound like a 1982 rapper to me on this one. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, you know, he didn't sound like he did on on a, on The Message and stuff like that. So it was interesting the way he blended in. I think he kind of adapted his style by the time 1989 came around to rapping a little bit different. So, yeah, but I, I think I appreciated each of their verses. Um, I, I'd say Kumo D probably the, my my least favorite amongst them, but overall, I mean, I appreciate each of their verses. But um, you know, but it is kind of just saying, you know, we're here and we're here to stay. And I mean, I guess that was a cool statement at the time. Now it's just kind of like, yeah, because you know, mm-hmm. we're we're very well past the, the I guess the mindset of oh, rap is here to stay mm-hmm. kind of statement. I don't know if it means as much to to us anymore. But and then and then, what do you think about a uh, having the the reverend jesse jackson quote at the end here (laughs) (laughs) well i guess i mean if i guess if you want anybody to co-sign at the end why not reverend jesse jackson (laughs) (laughs) but yeah all he said at the end was you know basically rap is here to stay and that so it kind of kind of puts the final clamp on the song which i didn't realize until we looked at the lyric video i always thought it was quincy jones saying that but it turns out it wasn't. It says that it was, they had a Reverend Jesse Jackson saying it. So, but yeah, I mean, it was cool, cool to see these rappers get off on a Quincy Jones project. But yeah, ultimately, you know, it's not a song I really want to go back to because I kind of feel like I'm hearing rappers that aren't really conscious rappers or rappers that do a lot of, I guess, is meaningful stuff in that sense, you know, dropping verses, trying to be a conscious rapper, trying to do that kind of meaning. And and granted, they 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 each do in their own similar in their own different ways. But ultimately, it's not really what I go to these rappers for. I mean, I guess with Ice T, he started off talking about you know how hood and you wear the wrong colored rag, how you gonna get shot and all this stuff. Like he he brought it to the streets immediately in this song. <laughs> so he he kind of he felt like Ice T to me with that one. But you know, but overall, I just felt like. Um, it was an okay track, but yeah, not one I, I'm gonna go back to. All right, so we're gonna we got one song left, and I did we did cheat because um, this last song isn't actually technically part of the '80s, and you know generally for this our R and B origins, double R and B is maybe a better way to say it. Double R and B origins. I wanted to stick with songs from the '80s, but this last song here is a remix, Janet Jackson's "All Right." This came out in 1990 on the, in March of 1990, it was a single. So this is Janet Jackson um, featuring Heavy D with All Right, um, produced by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lee Lewis, uh, number one on Hot Black Singles Chart, another New Jack Swing track. So, (laughs) sorry, I can't speak no more. I can't speak. But let's, um, let's listen to it. All right, so we're back. You know, we just listened to Janet Jackson's All Right House remix with rap um, featuring Heavy D, of course. So how'd you feel about the track? Mm, I mean, it was okay. I think I might listen to it again, though. I mean, it was okay. I, I like Janet Jackson's um, part. 
she like seems so soft though, but it works for her on some songs. Heavy D, um, I mean, I don't, I didn't think it was no just excellent verses, you know, but it, it worked for him. <laughs> but yeah, nothing nothing's too special for real. Okay, okay. I mean, I I would say I enjoyed this one. Um, I felt like at least Heavy D got a chance to get loose on this. And unlike just cool in where he only got like four bars. At least this one we got <laughs> we got to at least get the get the whole narrative of him, you know, uh dropping some verses to, you know, two two, you know, full verses I'd say mm-hmm. to attach to Janet's song. And I felt like it, it blended with the song well and, and stuff like that. So yeah, and, and once again, I don't think Heavy D says anything that is overly impressive with me, but I do think that he, you know, he's able to, to service the songs right, you know, that he's able to understand what's uh, expected of him and how to deliver some verses that, you know, once again, it's not too generic and it's not too out there. It works, as I said before, it blends with the song. And and once again, Heavy D to me is like a, he's like a, a pop rapper that I don't look down on like I might look down on another pop rapper, you know? I feel like he is skilled, but overall it's nothing that's, overly oppressive yeah so so yeah for this song i would i would say this is a song i'd go back to i would definitely bump all right so another thing oh yeah i, I forgot to mention but how'd you feel about a uh, uh the friend you probably don't feel too strongly about it but how'd you feel about on the friends track when we finally got to got to hear a little scratching oh i thought it was cool <laughs> yeah yeah, I felt like that was a cool, cool opportunity to actually like incorporate, you know, what people consider the real hip hop, you know, the actual scratching and DJing into the song. So I, I appreciated that they did that with that Friends track. Yeah. All right. So we listened to the eight songs and overall, how did you feel about this collection of songs that represent the first tracks where rap and R&B were, were blended together? I mean, I could appreciate it. I mean, we can't go nowhere but up, hopefully. Um, after this this year, <laughs> as you know, equipment and everything gets better and better, and people, I guess, get a feel for how what what works and what doesn't work. So I'm excited to do the next decade. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I would agree with you that um, everything's got to start somewhere. In the same way that I don't appreciate or I don't love all the early rap releases, but you know, it had to start somewhere to get going. Um, this is another, you know, the blending of these two genres, it, it kind of had to start somewhere. And, you know, you're glad that people made those initial steps so that the next decade and the next wave of artists can come in and really figure out how to really blend these two different genres together better. And in terms of format, I do feel like some of these songs, they, they didn't follow a common format like I think the next decade will. When people started rapping, you had no idea that, how long it was going to be. That's you didn't know, true. You didn't know if we were going to bring out a full sixteen or do a do a four, four. do a four bar <laughs> verse and, and call it quits. A six bar verse, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think we'll we'll get a different uh, picture of it. All right, one thing I uh, forgot to ask you, mm-hmm. you know, even before before I let you out of here, we uh, quickly uh, cover this: is out of the eight songs you listened to, which one was your favorite and why? Which one was my favorite? Oh, I got I got to think about this. Wait, I'm not sure what the top ones, but I had but my top two would probably be "Don't Rock the Boat" mm-hmm. and "Friends." Like I, I like those two. Okay. Any specific reason why you picked those? You just thought they overall sounded better? Yeah, 
I mean, I, I like the rapping part. I like the hook. I like the beats. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I could listen to those those two again. Okay. Yeah, for me, it's it's definitely Friends, you know, just because I'm such a rock him person that I, I, I can listen to Friends over again. And I'm going to say if I'm not your lover, just because I enjoy Slick Rick so much as well. So I'm going to say those are the two I'd go back to. I knew I was missing some. I just thought about it. I I, I like that one too, okay. actually. I had to think of some of these, like half of them I've heard before, but the other half was kind of new. And that one I really hadn't heard before, but I like, I like if I'm not your lover. Okay. All right. Um, speaking to uh, any of the, the listeners I have out there, do you have a favorite old school rap and R&B collab? And if so, please share it with me or tell me, you know, why, or if you have a favorite album or, or something of that nature. And uh, you can always email that at thehiphopmultiverse at gmail.com. So main thing also I want to encourage all listeners to do is please rate and review the podcast. Anytime you do that, it's a big help. It puts this podcast, uh, you know, in the in the algorithms and in front of more people. And it's a big help to me. And if you enjoy the podcast, you know, other people, you know, probably enjoy it too. So other than that, um, the Facebook page is going to be coming out soon. And uh, I do have an Instagram page up and uh, look for that in the liner notes. So if you don't know. Now, you know. All right. We out.